you're listening to Forgiveness and Health. How consciously letting go of anger and resentment can improve your physical well-being. Now, Mary Richards on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome to this special hour on LDS General Conference Sunday. The Bible commands us to forgive others, and your health depends on it. Doctors say letting go of grudges and bitterness can make way for happiness, health, and peace, while not forgiving can cause anxiety, stress, and hostility. Later this hour, Dr. Todd Thatcher of Valley Behavioral Health explains about how to get down to the underlying issues that may keep us from forgiving. But first, we begin with a conversation with Bishop Scott B. Hayashi of the Episcopal Diocese of Utah about what forgiveness is, why we need it, and how it happens. Forgiveness is a spiritual category, and when I think about forgiveness, I think about God's grace um, to me and to all of humanity, uh, where though we are not deserving, um, because of sins of omission and sins of commission, or just basic human failings, um, that God does not hold that against us. And so it's, it's an unearned grace that's extended to us, and we experience that as forgiveness. Uh, so from a spiritual realm, it's, it's what God has done for us, you see. And then for me, um, what I would say is that as a follower after Christ, then I would do my very best to imitate uh, what God has done through Christ, and Christ is the vehicle by which we have received this grace. So then for me, um, as this Christian person, um, my my responsibility, though I don't have to do it, would be to say then to to be a person who's grateful for what has been done for me, and then in and demonstrating that gratefulness by imitating what God has done by learning how to forgive and to forgive others as well. Feeling it in our own lives because we are fallen, and that repentance process of improving our own lives needs to come with forgiveness, or does come, through God's mm-hmm. grace. I love that. Through, through God's grace. And oftentimes, um, when we talk about... I, well, I'll put it this way. Sometimes I think that... What's difficult about forgiving another person is that we want the person to feel sorry. You see, and we're just, and whatever that means for you or for me, and for, for some of us, it might be, well, I want that pound of flesh, you know, or whatever it is, and until I get that, I'm not going to forgive. Okay. Uh, but the experience, when we think about it from, uh, a spiritual perspective, and really when we talk about God's grace forgiveness, what happens is actually, experientially, I believe, forgiveness actually precedes repentance. You see, it's only, it's only when one understood, understands that one has been forgiven that we go, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. You know, at that point. So, so I think experientially many times actually forgiveness is there first. And then we, then we experience the, the feeling of, I'm so sorry about what happened. Now, when it comes to us human beings, what I think is important to distinguish here is that uh, there's forgiveness and there's justice. 
And, and I think we we make a very great mistake when it comes to us in our interaction with each other that we, we somehow believe that forgiveness means there's no justice. And that, that I think, is a mistaken idea. The other thing that I believe is a mistake is when we say forgive and forget, you see, because I, I don't think we forget anything. Um, I don't think we're capable of forgetting anything. I think for us human beings, when we forgive, we, we know full well and we remember full well, but what we choose to do um, is to extend to the other person the benefit, let's say, of us not seeking vengeance. You see, and it doesn't mean that we ever really come back to the same place we were with a person um, because there's been a hurt there. What it means is that we're not going to seek this, the, we're not seeking harm for this person, you see. And, and, and also in the case of a crime, then it's not as if forgiveness means, therefore, this person um, does not have to face justice. Um, that justice is still necessary, but the justice will be done um, not by the individual who's been wronged, but rather by the proper authorities, you see. Um, that's what I think is important to understand. And then when it comes to forgiveness, too, forgiveness is um, a process, you see. So if we say that the the hurt or the offense was, was great, then it's not as if the person who's been so hurt is being is able to to reach this end point all at once. Uh, I think forgiveness has these stages where um, if the hurt has been very very great, the person at the very beginning is so hurt and so angry um, that perhaps all the person can accomplish in that moment is to say, "Okay, I." I do not wish that this person's house will burn down. That, that, that's the first step. Okay. Start right there. Start yeah. right there. I, I, and then maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit later we can take a next step. And, and, and I hope he's not financially ruined, you know, <laughs> because you see, it's, it's, it's these steps. And, and also sometimes you might, the person might find that they they fluctuate back and forth. So maybe the first the first step is to say, okay, I, I I don't want this person's house to burn down for him to get killed. But maybe later, five days later, that person is comes and is so angry again that he has to go back to that first place and say, okay, again, I don't want this person's house to burn. But but to to allow that space in the, the stages to go through to get to the point where the person sets it behind himself or herself. Yes. And, and that's where the the aspect of, of one's own spiritual, psychological, emotional health comes in. Because carrying that kind of pent-up anger, um, that type of emotion, I think is harmful for a person's soul and spirit. And the person can get so bottled up um, that that most of their energy is spent suppressing it so there isn't energy to do the other things in life. There's a whole, um, we, we pay for that, psychologically speaking and emotionally speaking and, and even physically speaking. These, the anger can get manifested in the person's body. And the other thing to think about here is the fact that really holding that anger is not going to do anything to the person that has wronged, uh, has committed a wrong. That person's 
not going to get touched by that. So the person, by refusing or being unable to move through this and let go of it, is causing harm to himself or herself. And as I have experienced in my life, and I'm seeing in places where I have bottled up my own anger, is it leaks out. And it leaks out in inappropriate ways and 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 sometimes gets visited upon people who are not deserving of anything like that. Mm-hmm. But something just happens and it just comes roaring out. Mm-hmm. So it's actually harmful um, in so many different ways. So forgiveness then being a process, I think the person travels through it. Yeah. Um, travels through it and, and step by step. And so when Jesus says, well, we forgive a person 77 times 70 times, um, it's not as if we have a chalkboard and we're marking this out, but rather it's to say that, you know, forgiveness may be something that happens daily, that I have to each day resolve to take the step that I can to move beyond and forgive this person and let this, let this, let this go. Um, and whether or not the other person ever, ever comes back and says, you know, I'm really sorry for what I did to you, to me is rather, well, it'd be nice if that happened, but it doesn't always happen. Um, and really, for the person who has been hurt, then forgiveness is necessary for that person just to be able to live life and, and, and live it as fully as that person can. Um, and as long as that person is not able to do that because of holding that anger, then the harm, that person's being harmed. Coming up next, Bishop Hayashi talks about how forgiveness is a process that can happen over and over, and we can come back wiser and stronger. I'm Mary Richards on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. Join Mary Richards, Brian, and Amanda Monday morning from 5 till 9 for stories important to you. Back to Forgiveness and Health on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to this conversation on forgiveness and health. How consciously letting go of hurt, anger, and resentment improves our lives. Bishop Scott B. Hiyashi of the Episcopal Diocese of Utah says forgiveness is God's grace extended to us, and we can learn to extend it to others. We, we hear that statement, forgive and forget, and that, that to me is ridiculous. I, I don't think God forgets anything. You know, and, and, and the grace of God is such, and the glory of God is the fact that in spite of all of that, God extends grace. It's not as if God forgets that you or I um, have have failings in our life. In spite of that, God's grace extends. And and, and forget us for us, it's the same way. We don't forget. We just choose not to carry it with us any longer. And and again, that's a a choice that sometimes needs to be made daily, over and over again, until we finally reach the point. Uh, When we have gone the distance. But even then, it still might recur. And we still have to then start over again and do this. And if we say that we do forget, then, then I think what happens uh, uh, in is that we open ourselves up to be hurt again, to be taken advantage of. So if someone, for instance, um, 
uh, keeps borrowing money and promising to pay back and never pays back, and we forget about it, then, then we just get taken advantage of again. I think, again, the important point is to say, in those situations, to forget is to, I think, be foolish, um, because and also impossible. I don't know about you, but for the major hurts that have happened in my life, I remember them quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I simply choose to not, you know, go there. Um, and I do not wish the person harm. Um, in fact, I wish that the person would do, would come to a fullness of life, you know, as well, in order that, that he or she might be able to perhaps at some point take stock and say, you know, that wasn't good. And, and sometimes, years later, a person does come back and say, you know, I just want to say I'm sorry for what happened all those years ago because yeah. something's happened and the person's moved to that point. Yeah. It's yeah. a process in ourselves That's that right. we're trying to work on. Mm-hmm. I love that choice, and there's a power in that choice, which also, I would think, would manifest itself in different um, uh, spiritual and mental and physical ways to to come out on top and then to to thrive from the experience mm-hmm. perhaps eventually maybe you'll get back to where you were but maybe you will come out even further on top yes I think it's I think there's a great learning in it and again when we say we come back to where we were it doesn't mean we come back to the same place with that person but we can come back wiser and stronger and we also understand you know in this moment too that we're not perfect as well. Um, I, I think that that's a good lesson and a good thing to understand too. So this the whole process of forgiveness, you know, is just that it's a process, and, and it take and it takes time. Um, I understand you're going to be you speak about this to your congregation. This is a topic. Yes, I, I've spoken to the congregations. You see, what we what we see in life is one of the reasons forgiveness is so difficult is because we're never taught it. No, I mean you, you look at in your family situation, most most families um, don't really teach this at all. It doesn't happen. I mean, where you do see it taught is, is in the Amish, for instance. The Amish and the Mennonites, they teach it to their children. And, and, and they, they model it for their children. But in many, many families, the majority of families, it's just never really taught. And, 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 and in fact, in many ways, what the parents show is exactly the opposite, holding grudges and everything else. And all that does for the child is say, this is what it means, how you behave as an adult. Yes. So that's why forgiveness in many cases is difficult, doubly difficult, because not only is there a misunderstanding of what it is, but also there are darn few models out there. I mean, the federal government or legislature, you don't, we're not seeing it. Who who is the great example of this? The the Pope certainly, you know, um, Pope, you know, John Paul, who had the person shoot him, you know, and then he goes to prison and extends forgiveness. There is one model, but there, the models are few and far between. So, in fact, in fact, I think it, uh, to even do something like that in the public sphere is almost to show weakness, and people interpret it as weakness. We don't have people showing how to do this. We're not teaching it um, in our family system. So therefore, it becomes um, even more difficult. And as a result of this, I think the world, society, humanity is harmed. And then we've, and especially if that anger is bottled up, again, we'd say it doesn't go away if it's bottled up. So who knows where it's going to get 
display. Who knows who's going to catch it? Is it going to come out against a political opponent? Is it going to come out against another country? Is it going to come out, or is it going to get visited upon? Mm-hmm. It, it's harmful, not just interpersonally, but I think society, society pays for it. I think the world pays for it. Yeah, our families definitely, and ourselves, but on that greater scale as well. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, um, I, I think the most important point for me as a Christian person is to say the importance of this for me is because I have experienced God's grace in my life. Um, and as a follower of Christ, I believe that it is important for me to try to imitate and be as much like my Savior as I can be. To be faithful to that um, would be to, to try to do this as much as possible. Though, uh, um, never as, never perfectly, I must confess. Well, there's only one perfect man who is ever on the earth. Yeah. We can follow him and look to him. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it is, it is difficult. Yes. Yeah. Because when you think of him, you know, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, he comes back to his disciples and the first thing he, he says is, peace be with you. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about what you guys did. It's, you know, peace be with you. After the break, the Chief Medical Officer of Valley Behavioral Health, Dr. Todd Thatcher, walks through some of the cognitive errors that may keep us from being able to let go and how therapy helps. Mary Richards on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. You're listening to Forgiveness and Health. How consciously letting go of anger and resentment can improve your physical well-being. Now, Mary Richards on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to this conversation on forgiveness and health. Medical studies show that when we can release hurts, anger, resentment, and bitterness, we can live more full and healthier lives, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. I sat down with Chief Medical Officer of Valley Behavioral Health, Dr. Todd Thatcher, in his office to talk about it. Well, the definition of forgiveness in mental health is actually a very interesting question because to not forgive someone or to hold on to those, you know, that problem, it's not a psychiatric illness. It's not considered to be a mental illness. So there's no, there's no diagnostic code for it, you know, there's no, so it doesn't fit in that way. Where it's going to come into play in mental health is where it's manifesting as other things. And in, if you get into therapy and you may come in and say, I'm depressed, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm not performing well at work, you know, I'm feeling low energy, all these kind of physical manifestations that take place because you're carrying that around, you know, kind of mask, masquerade as those other symptoms. So that's where mental health would intersect with the forgiveness issue. Now, as you got into, if you go to, if you go for medications for that problem, you're likely to uh, just have people deal with those surface problems and never get down to the forgiveness issue because they're only going to be assessing, you know, those kind of symptoms and never really get down to it. And there's no anti-forgiveness medication unfortunately or fortunately, depending on which way you want to look at it. Where it's most likely to come up as an issue and be treated would be in therapy. So as you're talking back and forth with a therapist and they start drilling down on, so when did you start feeling depressed? Why are you feeling depressed? Start looking at that. Things like that are very likely to come up. 
and high um, high yield areas for that would be things like obviously traumas, you know, beatings, things like that, you know, divorces, you know, places where people were really victimized, and so they've got this. Uh, this unforgiveness they have that's eating at them. So that usually gets addressed pretty quickly in a therapy environment because they'll ask about your past history and some landmark issues that may lead to those kind of things. Getting down to that, is there something to be said, forgiveness versus letting something go? Is it the same thing or are there differences there, like letting go of these past hurts versus actually forgiving the offender or just forgiving the event? Right. It's a great question. I would say that it's probably best understood if you put it on a spectrum. Okay? Because there are some people and some offenses that are easy to just say, I'm just going to walk it off. I'm just going to forgive. And they're just able to walk away. Just like even though cigarette smoking is one of our most addictive substances, and by the numbers, only about 6% a year are able to quit, there are people in that 6% group that just put it down and walk away, where there's other people that just try and try and try and can't seem to do it. So on that same spectrum, some people can just drop it, walk away. They have that makeup and that character. On the other end of the spectrum, however, you have people that are not going to be able to walk away as easily. Um, maybe the trauma was more severe or the how you were wronged or thought you were wronged was more severe. So it's, I think it's best understood on a spectrum rather than just an on and off, black or white kind of an issue. Now, you know, so walking away from it, you probably would define that as being, okay, well, everyone would, I guess, walk away from it when they're ready to put it down. Now, a lot of what happens in the, the therapy process of overcoming that is not so much to go back and relive it as it's, it to address how our brains, which have a lot of problems with them, uh, just a normal brain is a wonderful machine, but it's got a lot of inherent weakness built into it. So, for example, our memories are horrible. They're just plain horrible. So when people say, I remember it like it was yesterday, okay, that's just simply not true, and that's what we would call a cognitive error. So if you are looking at a past wrong as, I remember it like it was yesterday, you really don't. That's not really possible the way that memory is organized. And since memories are put together um, it, we store little chunks of information, and we store them all over the outside part of our brain. We don't know of any order or organization with which it's happened. Maybe it does. We just haven't figured it out yet. And then these memory pieces are brought back together in some parts of your brain that then attach emotions and some memories and things to it to kind of give some depth to that memory. The problem is, is that the brain will, will easily fill in details that may or may not have actually happened. And so people can take events that took place a long time ago, or even last week or the week before, and fill in details as they're reconstructing these memories that then aren't helpful and can lead to difficulty laying down that, that, that hurt and holding on to things. And so that's one step that they'll do as a therapy is that they'll identify if you're making some of those cognitive errors and identify that and work with you. Another cognitive error that people will make is uh, the, uh, survivor guilt, for example. That's very common in like combat-type areas. Anytime someone felt like they had a camaraderie or some sort of a uh, responsibility to someone else and then something bad happened, they may often feel a survival uh, guilt, which is another cognitive uh, error and needs to be corrected in therapy. Another 
cognitive uh, error that people make a lot is that they make uh, what's called hindsight bias. So everything's 2020 in hindsight, right? That's actually an incorrect statement. <laughs> okay, what, what that technically will, how that's technically true in mental health and looking how the brain works is, you think you understand it properly in hindsight. But very often we make errors, you know, some of these other errors that, go, errors that go along. Plus, as you look back on it, what you do is you tend to judge past events with what you currently know now. So a good example of that might be someone who was sexually abused when they were 12 years old. And now they're 40. And now they're looking back. And now they look at it as a 40-year-old a lot differently than a 12-year-old will. And so they'll blame themselves, they'll beat up on themselves, they'll talk, you know, they'll just berate themselves or have some, some ideas about what happened back then just because they're using their brain now to judge their self back then. That's a cognitive error that needs to be corrected because as long as you keep making that error, you don't really see the situ situation properly. The other thing that you don't want to do is head in the wrong direction self-medicating, for example, deciding that you're going to use some alcohol or pot or drugs or pain pills or anything like that to soothe your emotions, that is a first-class ticket to nowhere. That is really just going to make things worse. So if that's where you're thinking about going, don't go there, please. Please get some help before you do that. And if you're caught in that problem, then you have to deal with that problem first Get yourself clean and sober, and then bring yourself back when you're strong to deal with the underlying forgiveness issues. Oh, yeah. That whole part of how, you know, I started out looking at this because of how forgiveness can affect your physical health. And so just treating the physical symptoms or masking them or using substances is not going to fix it at all or help. You've got to fix that, help that, and then move lower. Oh. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, another thing, too, and, and I think the, uh, the LDS Church has made great strides in the last few decades to uh, uh, embracing and being a lot more supportive of uh, people getting help from mental health sources. You know, um, it, being a bishop, for example, in an LDS ward still carries the... Um, at least the stereotype that, oh my goodness, better you than me because you're going to hear about everything. And there, and people do come to them with a lot of faith and trust that I can just use my bishop as my free therapist. You see what I'm saying? And they'll understand and so on and so forth. Well, the problem is, is it doesn't really work out that way most of the time. And so the church has been very supportive in saying, look, if you need help, you know, uh, get the professional help, and bishops are now trained to help people and direct them in that direction. So I've known a few people in my practice that when their bishop told them that, they got offended. So now they've got another thing to, you know, to forgive. Let's say, don't be offended if your bishop recommends that you that you go somewhere else, you know, to get the, that therapy part. They still very much care about you and love you. That's why they're referring you out to to, to some, you know, some help that will be, be best for you. Coming up next, Dr. Thatcher explains how we have been given the time in this life to get this right. I'm Mary Richards on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. Join Mary Richards, Brian, and Amanda Monday morning from 5 till 9. 
or stories important to you. Back to Forgiveness and Health on KSL News Radio. In our final moments together, we talk about the most important reasons why we should forgive, let go, and move on. Earlier this hour, Bishop Scott Hayashi explained that the process can take time, though Dr. Todd Thatcher of Valley Behavioral Health says it can take professional help for some to be able to forgive. The church has been very supportive in saying, look, if you need help, get the professional help, and bishops are now trained to help people and direct them in that direction. And I'm LDS, so I can speak from the, from that LDS perspective. That um, you know, it's been very it's been made very clear in uh, in recent general conferences that you know, especially with mental health issues, you know, the Lord blesses you know humankind and mankind with technology and advancement and knowledge. Mental health is one of those advances. And once He blesses the world with that, He expects you to use that rather than to work a miracle for just you. And the Lord doesn't seem to operate in, in that way. And so that's a little mental hurdle sometimes for people. They think, well, if I just read my scriptures enough, if I just go to the temple enough, if I just pay my tithing enough, or whatever they think they're doing, I'm like, well, if you listen to those cognitive errors that we talked about before, that really set the bedrock for why uh, forgiving can be so difficult, um, those kind of things, you need to be doing those anyway, but they might not solve the problem, and you need to listen. Maybe you're being guided and directed and inspired to go get some professional help, and you need to be open to that idea, or it'll bounce off your, your heart and off your head, and you won't, you won't follow those promptings. This is how this intersects, definitely, with the spiritual, mental, physical, because we are all of those beings in one. And like you said, a therapist or a, can help guide right from that first meeting. How do you want to go with this? By the time we hit adulthood, we're a complicated collection of genetics, past experience, good experiences, bad experiences, uh, healthy ways of looking at the world, not healthy ways of looking at the world. We all come out of our homes thinking that, well, that's the normal way to look at life. And the farther you get away from your home, you look back on it going, wow, well, we did some things that weren't too smooth there, even if it was a good home. And you might start seeing some differences. So, you know, as people come out into adulthood, there really is that kind of the discovery of themselves. And it's really, it's one thing I love about mental health is that it's fascinating to kind of peel back those layers and understand how we are, as sensory material comes into us all the time, through our eyes, ears, nose, even through our emotions and our hearts, which is a sensory input, and how we interpret that and what we do with it and what reality is oftentimes are kind of at odds, and it's not helpful. So that's where it helps to get professional help with help to see that. Yeah. It, how satisfying is it to see someone finally able to heal, to, to let go, to forgive, to be able to relieve some of that burden they carry around? Oh, how satisfying is it? <laughs> you walk out about five feet off the ground and sing your way home, and uh, that's the whole reason you, you get into the field is to, to have that influence on people. And so that's what keeps, I think, keeps us coming back to work. Because obviously we have to see some of those cases and lots of cases that don't work out so well. But uh, hope always springs eternal. And, you know, and I also tell us to people, too, if we can just kind of take a little bit of a serious tone to it, okay, is that, um, you know, the Don Henley song, Forgiveness. I encourage all of your listeners to not only go listen to that. It's a very powerful lyric about forgiveness and the cycle of forgiveness. And uh, go look up the lyrics and read them. There's a very powerful part at the end where he says, um, you know, I'm trying to get down to the heart of the matter, and my will gets weak. And then at the very end he says, and the ashes will scatter. 
In other words, at some point I'm going to die. So he says, the ashes will scatter, so I'm thinking about forgiveness. Okay? Because it's really an eternal principle. I think especially to an LDS person, that would be a particularly poignant lyric for them to go read about that process of forgiveness and how forgiveness and the lack of not forgiving will eat you up inside and ruin your life and you really need to, to get through these problems. It's, it's just a beautiful lyric. But I would point that out and especially if people are thinking that the way to get through problems like that is to kill themselves, you know, suicide, that whole issue that just seems to plague the LDS people. No, let us help you. As long as you're in this mortality and still breathing air here on this planet, and you've been given the mercy of God to have one more day to work it out, let's work it out together. Once you're out of this body, it's harder to work problems out like that. Yeah, reach for the help because there's hope in that help. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for spending this time with me. If you want to hear the special programming again or missed any of it, you can find it through our KSL Radio app or online at kslnewsradio.com in the Conference Conversations podcast. I'm Mary Richards, KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM.